What's up, everybody? My name is Brady Morgan. I am the host of the Entrepreneurism Podcast. I'm here with Ann Sieg. Ann is the CEO of e-commerce business school. Ann, how's it going? It's going awesome. Thanks for asking. How are you doing? Good, good. Thank you for coming on the show. So before we talk about e-commerce business school, how you got started in e-commerce and just your entrepreneurial journey in general, I always ask this first question. What's the dumbest thing you've ever spent money on? <laughs> All right. I think it was my first car and here's why. Um, so I'm buying my first car, you know, you're excited. It's your first, you know, it's a big purchase as a young person. And I come to find out that it had been in an auto accident and it mm. had all been covered up. And so it's what they call a lemon, but I wouldn't say that I was the, me being dumb per se, but it was a, it was a bad purchase. Right filled with a lot of potholes because then when I had it evaluated or looked at whatever the problem was at that time, this was a long, long time ago. Oh, this car has been in an accident. And so, uh, yeah, that was not fun. That being my very first car. Right. Yeah. It's kind of a bad way to start your car purchases. Yes, it was. <laughs> but that's why like Carfax exists now for stuff like that, because oh, yeah. there are people out there who try to hide stuff like that still, and you just can't get away with it as well today. Yeah, there so. wasn't even the internet back then. <laughs> <laughs> so, but and you know, you you've been an entrepreneur for a while. You're the CEO of e-commerce business school. You're obviously in the world of e-commerce. How did you get started in that field? Well, it's going to sound really weird to say this, but if you look right there, see red, green, and white. Those are three Christmas bells that I knitted when I was about seven years old. My grandmother taught me to do, and my mom said, "You know, Ann." You should go out in the neighborhood and sell these. And so I got my first store as a paper box. And then with the dollar bills and coins and whatnot, I went out into the neighborhood and I sold every one of them. And walking home, my box of bells had a very different sound to it. It was the sound of money. So I can't say that I just then took off into e-commerce for when there was no internet at that time. But I will say, I will never forget that. It was very little. And my mom was not with me. I went out into the neighborhood on my own. It was a different era at that time. Um, but I will say subsequent to that, when I was raising our three sons and I homeschooled for 12 years, um, I was very, I encouraged them very highly in entrepreneurism. Mm -hmm. And that was primarily because of me reading Robert Kiyosaki's books and had my eldest son read those. And so my eldest son and my middle son started an eBay business. And this is like 20 years ago. So I'm kind of dating myself, but junior high and high school. And that was our, you could say it was a family business. It was those right. two. And my only job duty, uh, because the younger one was in charge of shipping is I had to get those shipments to the post office. Mom, we don't want to miss our five-star rating. So um, that was kind of the roots within my own family. So from my childhood, then in the homeschooling. And then um, basically I've been an online trainer for 15 years. And my first eight years or so I was teaching people how to build online sales funnels, mm -hmm. how to convert visitors into uh, prospects and customers. And uh, then shifted into e-commerce officially, it was the fall of 2013. So I had a training company, online training company at that time. And I had told my husband about this method of flipping using eBay and Amazon. And he said, oh, eBay, I still got my account. So he set up, the, you know, start to do it. He started making money right away. 
And I'm like, wow, you know, here I am teaching these people to build sales funnels and write sales copy and all this kind of thing. I'm just going to expose them to this. And it was on New Year's Eve. I had a, a small invite webinar for my joined. And every single one of them started making money very, very quickly. And part of it probably was because they had some foundation with me right. from my previous training company. But that's um, gradually then I, I made a shift that took about a year and a half span to shift my entire company and business into e-commerce. So that um, took place during 2014, for which we've now serviced over 8,000 students through the e-commerce business school. Wow. Yeah, that, that's awesome. And, it, and it's crazy too, you know, because along the entrepreneurial journey, I think everyone has a shift, right? You know, I think everyone starts to be an entrepreneur just because they see an opportunity in a specific space, not because they necessarily love what they're doing or because they necessarily have roots in that business. It's just an opportunity. But the fact that you kind of came full circle, right? You started yeah. a business about something else and then it's like, oh, hey, we're back to selling stuff, you know? <laughs> and I think that's awesome. Do you think that that path is unique? Do you think everyone starts out and then comes full circle? Or do you think it mm. just depends on the situation? I think it's many and varied. Um, my path has, since I came online, which was May of 2004, it's always been just solving a series of problems. Mm -hmm. uh, almost every single part of my path has been mm -hmm. that way. So when I came online, I was trying to solve a problem that at that time I was doing direct sales and it was very difficult in the face-to-face -face environment. My son encouraged me, mom, you should go online. You should find out about your target audience. So I was just trying to solve a problem. Right. And then I came into this new world and I knew that my barrier to success was some experience and knowledge that I didn't have. And I've, I rank top at Learner for the um, Strength Finder poll. I don't know if you've ever done that Strength Finder. Mm. Okay, with Tom Rath. Anyways, it's an online survey and Learner is top. So for me, it's pretty natural to go right. and I adapt to that pretty quickly that, oh, I'm, I don't know what I'm doing. I better go learn something, right? So um, then, too, we were then starting to promote a training company, my son and I. And then it was, well, how could we get more traffic? Or how could we get more money? Oh, mm -hmm. if we had our own program, then we could get a bigger cash flow. So almost every step along this chain was about solving a problem, right. which isn't, I don't think, how most people come in. Um, I do interview many of my members. So it's it's varied. But for myself, it was always solving a problem. So specifically in the fall of 2013, when I made that shift, it was for the fact that at that time, I was teaching direct sellers how to market themselves online. Well, as it turned out, none of the advertising platforms like that business model. So no matter what I did, I'd get my account shut down, this, that, and the other thing. Yep. And it was like, that was a big barrier. So long came e-commerce and it was like, okay, they don't hate that business model. <laughs> so let's do that. And yes, it was because the members had far better success, but I also was finally getting able to get back and do cold marketing, cold advertising. Yeah. So pretty much for me, it's this curious path. And I always tell people, you come into entrepreneurialism, you're going to be a problem solver. At the end of the day, you're going to be solving a series of problems, mm -hmm. kind of like better get used to it, right? And so I had a dad who was a scientist, so maybe that was part of, um, that's what scientists do. They solve problems. Right. 
And my dad was always inventing. And so I think in like kind with business, it's, it's a curious dichotomy of you're solving a problem for yourself, for whatever that business is going to do for you. And by default, your business is designed to also solve problems for other people. Right. You know, whether to give them a benefit of a wonderful X, Y, Z or to remove a pain or a problem. So it's this whole dichotomy of problem solving. And so my feel, and I, I'm pretty candid with entrepreneurs and we talked about that pre-show was that I always tell people, you know, you're going to meet, <laughs> they say, if when people start dissing on their boss, I'm like, well, you're, you're going to be the CEO and that might be the worst boss you've ever had. So you better buckle up and get ready, Right. you know, being able to hold yourself accountable, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But I also say, you know, just write this into your business plan. Things will change. So yes. it's this ability to be adaptable yeah. or, or die. Exactly. And especially with COVID, you know, I think a lot of people, and let's just take personal training, for instance, because I think it's the easiest one to translate this to. There's several personal trainers that are probably out of business right now because they didn't go online, right? They were so just like, I'm in person, that's it. And unfortunately, those businesses failed just because they didn't adapt. But let me ask you this, and you know, do you think the shift you made, right? Because I imagine the business you had before e-commerce business school, you also loved, right? Mm-hmm. Businesses, regardless of if it's in your passion yeah. or not, they're your babies because you grow mm-hmm. them from the ground up. That's but right. do you believe you made that shift to e-commerce business school because you said the problem that I can solve with e-commerce business school is more important than the problem I can solve with what I'm doing now? Mm, I, I was still teaching people how to have a business. So uh, the difference between the two is one, you have to be the funnel builder, right. the one that I was formerly teaching. And those are very advanced skill sets. Let's, we're not, I always tell people, let's get real about that. It's an advanced skill set. But with e-commerce and specifically Amazon, to make a distinction, not mm-hmm. Shopify, you do have to be a funnel builder, understand sales conversions, et cetera. But with Amazon, you're leveraging a already built sales funnel with you know, prime customers with credit card already in the system. Right. And so with both of those, I was helping people to have their own business. So if I understood your question correctly, were they was I solving different problems for people, one business versus the others? I guess I would say in with regard to shifting the e-commerce, I actually did help solve their problem of, <laughs> hey, great news. You don't have to work your butt off on um, building sales funnels and, and learning how to generate traffic and all that. And, and I have to say from my list, I had about 400,000 from that initial list of p- teaching sales funnels. Many of them shifted to this because it was like, hallelujah, we don't have to build a sales funnel. So it kind of, it, it almost was like, it was a bigger and better mousetrap, so to speak, than what I had been teaching. And it also really started at a more fundamental level of really mitigating the variables for risk in business. Right. And say, we get that off the plate. You don't have to worry about sales funnels. We're not going to do Shopify. We're not going to do private label. There's this whole marketing continuum of um, a very simple method to very advanced methods. But a novice would be very unsuspecting as to know, should I be doing a private label? Should I be doing wholesale? They have no context. Exactly. When they're bombarded by the ads and whatnot, they have no frame of reference, whereas I do, because we've created all those trainings 
through e-commerce business school. And when we've landed is what I call the shallow end of the pool. Let's put you in the shallow end of the pool. I don't care what other business you've had and how awesome you are. Start here because you're going to mitigate far more variables, get those off your plate and get to the cash flow fast, build systems, get a team in place. Then you can subsequently go into deeper ends of the pool into more advanced methods, thereby having a much better success path by doing that in a more linear fashion. I don't yeah. know if that makes sense or not. It does. You know, and, and I like that, right? Because I think a lot of people, there's tons of opportunity right now in every area. Yes. E-commerce is huge though. Yes. Because there's several different platforms. You know, There's not even Shopify and Amazon. There's WooCommerce. There's a lot of different ways you yeah. can sell stuff online. But a lot of people jump in completely blind, like you said. Mm-hmm. And they see an ad about some specific technical term on Shopify and they're lost. Right. Yep. But I think the fact that you have a school that says, Hey, we're going to start you as a quote unquote kindergartner and we're going to, you're going to graduate, but knowing a lot more than when you started, but you're going to have the foundation. And I think it all comes down to learning things in the right steps. I think a lot of people learn something they should learn in grade 12 and grade one and vice versa. And they're lost the entire way. So have you found that not only with e-commerce, but let's assume any area of entrepreneurship, do you think people should have more schools associated with different subsets of entrepreneurship to where they can learn at a very basic level and then just become more advanced as they go? Yes, I think so. However, marketing being what it is, and I'm a marketer, a good sales copy is good sales copy. And again, the novice, the unsuspecting newbie has no clue or frame of reference. So, um, and two, here's another aspect of the industry that kind of further exacerbates this whole thing is that um, you have the one-stop guru shop for lack of a better word, that someone hangs their hat on. I'm the Shopify guy. I'm the private label guy. I'm the wholesale girl. I'm a this, I'm a a that. So that's what the marketplace produces Mm -hmm. are these people who are an expert at their respective, you know, method or technique. In our case, we ended up, we delivered all of those, including all the way up to sourcing to China or from China. And there you introduce variables that are like triple anything right. else. Cause there's so many things that can go wrong in that whole flow. So it would be wonderful if there were that type of, that it could be that disclosing. Um, but I think that's hard to find right. because of what the marketplace just produces naturally. Um, and so I plan to create, we have a pillar content piece called the three pillars of e-commerce success. And that talks about um, the three pillars being um, generate cash flow. Mm. Uh, the next is to automate systems. And the third is to build assets. So those are our three pillars of e-commerce success that it's kind of what it really requires is someone to teach the bigger framework. Who's going to zoom out at a global level and actually afford the audience, if you will, at a public level, you know, almost at a goodwill gesture kind of piece, giving the big picture view in advance so that then when you go out to look at different trainings, you got a filter and a lens, but otherwise you don't, you're you're sold by great copy and marketing. It's, I know it's, I I still as a good marketer, I get tripped in a, here I go, I'm buying this. (laughs) 
<laughs> and I laugh at myself, but nonetheless to say, so the marketing continuum is another content piece I want to create that is like a, you know, a goodwill gesture or a um, public message kind of thing. Um, right. Here is the continuum, kind of like a buyer beware kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. And I'm not doing it so much. Yes, in part, it sells what I'm doing because I start with the, the most fundamental the most reliable, most predictable. But what's different about the way we approach it, this all happened last fall, we did a whole step back and evaluate just a really deep level, you know, everything about what we were doing. And it was that we wanted to differentiate from the methods that are out there, there's methods, more so we zoomed out and we looked at it as the business model. And so the business model that we set up from day one, when we bring on a new mentoring student is, you're going to have an automated business in 90 days. You're going to have a system driven business because we have the systems, we're going to give them to you. And you're going to be in cash flow. Mm -hmm. So it's a business model that lets them know, just like you would buy a McDonald's, that's a franchise in their systems. We're setting them up for success by having, when I say automated business, it means you're working on your business and not in it. Exactly. Yep. So we're coming at it from a kind of a a different angle than you're going to learn how to do Shopify. You're going to learn how to do Etsy. You you know, you're going to learn this method. We're going to teach you our method. We do teach them a method, but we're teaching them. We're zooming out and we're, we're helping them develop a particular type of business instead yeah, I think that's awesome. And I think, like you said, it allows people to see what the what the methods actually mean within the framework. Right? Exactly. You know, if you're saying, I'm going to automate your business, we're going to start, let's say, automating emails. But if you don't even talk about automating your business, they're going to say, why do I need automated emails? Why could I not just send them? Right? But I think yes. people, they're so blind to all these different opportunities. And there's so many people out there, they just want to teach you one method to be a millionaire tomorrow. Yes. And people are sold on that because of great sales copy, great funnels, great mm-hmm. videos, whatever. But mm-hmm. I like your, you are setting people up for long-term success mm-hmm. in e-commerce, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Whereas the the methods, if you only learn those without the framework, it's very short-term success. Oh, and I got to tell you, at an industry level, the fallout is enormous. Mm-hmm. Because there wasn't this zoom out to give them context. At one of the worst, if I if I can say, is the one hit wonder, mm-hmm. and and this is very very prevalent in the industry, and and we end up in calls with these people. The aftermath, I ordered you know five thousand dollars worth of silicone ice cube trays, and they're sitting in my garage. Yeah, because the time you got them from China, well, another hundred sellers jumped in on that same keyword because they were using the same software tool that found that keyword that you thought was going to be whiz bang. And by the time your trays arrived, it was toast. Mm -hmm. That's what happens. But that's the one hit wonder model. Ours is a a much more, it's it's so much more achievable. It's products that are already selling. Um, But in any case, um, there is a big fallout and that's very harmful to the industry at large because of that massive failure rate. Then people conclude the industry or the training industry is a scam. And you hear that word. I mean, we, it washes up on our shores all the time. I'm just worried this is a scam. And then we get these people who have been through failed business models and they didn't really get a foundation. If I may, I'm going to give an analogy of yeah, something. I absolutely. Went through. 
Okay. So I was a sports coach for 12 years in the sport of gymnastics. It was my passion. And where I really got my foundation set for my future as an educator was I was at a gym where it was this German lady and her teaching hub. She had no proper skills progressions. So that one day she says, okay, you're going to do a back handspring on the balance beam. I couldn't even do one on a crash mat or a trampoline or a four inch mat, let alone the balance beam. And I, and she's spotting me. I ended up whacking her in the face. Well, no, duh. I, I, she didn't even ask for a demo. Can, can you, she didn't even ask, can you do right. it on the floor? And so I thought this was really dangerous. And sure enough, there are many injuries there. She used a lot of scare tactics too. And by contrast, and I went to a different gym where this coach said, hey, if you're going to coach for me, I'm going to teach you my progressions. Well, sign me up. And so he started to teach me all these progressions. And that's where it set my foundation as an educator. Mm -hmm. And here's how I see it. It is the responsibility of the educator to identify the gaps and shore them up. It is not the student's job how could they other how could they know what the gaps are they just know they're stuck and so it's up to the educator the coach to uncover those so it takes a really caring astute well you know thought out kind of educator to do that and so um that was a fantastic you know contrast for me to experience at the sports level so for me, what I love, both my parents were teachers too, is the intrigue, the figuring out part. Mm -hmm. For me, how do I help them have their breakthrough? That's the responsibility of a good coach or trainer. You know, I, I agree with that. You know, I think there's a difference between an educator and a guru, right? I think an educator is, like I said, setting up for the long term. The guru, not to say the guru is not successful. They probably are. They probably aren't. But a guru is going to try to teach them the one method they used and they're going to become a one hit wonder. Like you said, now, if people become one hit wonders and they build off of that and they can create a sustainable business, absolutely. But very few people are doing that. So the fact that you're saying, Hey, I'm going to pick you up from the ground up the progression mm -hmm. model to where every single detail you might encounter along the way, we're going to help you out. We're going to train you on it. And I think that's mm -hmm. what sets people up. But you know, this goes to another point. People want success. I think everybody wants their own version of success, but they want it too quickly. They don't want to work for it. They're not patient. They can only say, if I'm not a millionaire by next year, it's over. And I think <laughs> it's, it's such the wrong way of thinking about, it. you know, Gary yeah. V talks about having patience and, you know, people didn't like him for saying that because they're thinking you should always be just working as fast as you can. But I think that sets you up for failure because you miss things. I think what he means is have patience on your macro goal. What's your, what does what your end goal look like? And for you to say, we're going to automate your business in 90 days, that's a macro goal, I would say. Mm -hmm. But we have to have urgency in the micro, meaning I'm going to give you these methods. I'm going to give you stuff to do, get them done quickly. But I already have the framework, all the details you need. So that's what I like about your business model because I think you're actually setting people up to achieve their macro goal and you're forcing them to be patient along that process. Yeah. A couple of things come to mind. One is reasonable expectations. Mm -hmm. So we created a tool. We have many tools that we create anything that will better the 
our students' experience and progress right. is a um, profit calculator projection for the method we teach, which is arbitrage. And they can see all these numbers. And so it's all done. Your decisions, it's like real estate. They say you make your money when you buy. Mm -hmm. That's the same when you do arbitrage. You make your money when you buy because it's all based on data, real time, real products are selling right then and there. Albeit things can shift, especially in a high velocity time period right. like Q4, but reasonable expectations. Secondly, I just read a very curious article um, that ties in with our times. It's just, it caught my attention because it was from an, in fact, I think I have it right here. I'm reading constantly stuff. Oh, let's see. Yep, I have it right here. Um, someone was saying, you know, this is kind of odd with the elections is actually, um, how did they say it? Trainings? Let's see, I just say, why are organizations spending so much time to get this message out? Don't most people already know how to vote? Ask this person. So this isn't about voting per se, this is about a psychology, mm -hmm. about the micro and the macro per se, um, what you're just saying there. And they said, whether the issue is saving money, exercising more often or voting in election, good intentions don't automatically lead to action. The message to make a voting plan stems from social science research showing that people are more likely to follow through when they are prompted in advance about logistics and contingencies. So it's that your mind behaves in a different way when you're approaching a learning experience or an action that you're going to take when you've kind of made some plans and contingencies and strategies, you're now engaged in a different level. Right rather than, oh, I should have been rich yesterday. I, it is a very tiring conversation, that whole thing. Now, I will say, I had to teach mindset training a whole lot more when it was about sales funnels, because there was a much longer uh, time to point of sale, <laughs> much oh, yeah. longer. However, with e-commerce and with arbitrage, especially if you're doing local retail arbitrage, you're first success point, which is a sale, can happen within two, actually it can happen as soon as it hits the warehouse. So, but your check, your payout doesn't come until two weeks because Amazon pays out every two weeks. So it's not as painful of a, um, you gotta, it go, I had a um, very high level um, surgeon in one of my programs back in the day. He said, Anne, this stuff you're teaching is harder than what I learned in medical school. <laughs> and he's a top level surgeon, I think it was John Hopkins. That's true for marketing, but for Amazon, it's with arbitrage, it's stuff that's already selling. Right. And, you, and when you have those metrics right and you ship it in, yeah, it can sell that fast. So anyways, just what you talked about there, there are a few points relative to um, even though they can sell quickly, that whole thing about what's sold all the time is millions, 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 millions. Right. And it's like, well, how about replace your current income considering exactly. what's happened with COVID, exactly. you know, or enough to make it more feasible to segue out within a reasonable time. And so our profit projection calculator, that's that whole contingency thing. We give them that tool in advance before they come in, before we accept them into the program, they have to go through it. They have to go through the profit pro projection homework we give them this packet of homework. We're, you, they're not going to be in our program otherwise because <laughs> they, they have to start running some numbers and start to formulate their future right. that's unique to them. 
So it's not like we just let everybody in. They have to actually go through some pacing first Mm -hmm. to make them acceptable into the program. I I love what you said there. You know, uh, like you said, a lot of people, they want to make millions tomorrow, but just replace your current income. You know, what's the average income in the U.S.? Let's just say four grand a month, five grand a month. Mm -hmm. Yeah. When you break it down there, it doesn't seem as scary. Right. And when you say, I want to make a million dollars by tomorrow, how am I going to do it? Then you ultimately just don't do anything. You know, you don't even know. You don't even know how to make a million dollars by tomorrow. And a lot of people don't. Right. Yeah. But I think people just need to have a goal. First of all, if you don't have a goal, figure out what your goal is (laughs) and then have patience, get a plan of how you're actually going to get there and then execute on that plan as quickly as you can. Right. But also with as much quality as you can. Don't execute on a plan quickly and then skip steps and stuff like that. It's all about executing a plan 100% perfection is, or as perfect as it can be yeah. to achieve your macro goal. Yeah, absolutely. And repetition is the mother of learning, whether mm-hmm. people like that or not. And not only the repetition of the actions, but for me, I'll go through a material for three months or so and I look back oh my gosh, I pick up a whole bunch of things I didn't see the first time. And so it's not just a repetition of what you're doing, but loop back. And and our members say that they'll loop back and they, oh man, I totally missed that. And make their learning that much more um, uh, with precision as a result of that. Exactly. I'm a big reader and you know, I've gotten to the habit of rereading books that are just business related. Like how can you like grow a business in certain areas? And I, I'll miss things, you know, the first time around, because I think a lot of people also go through the motions of whatever they're trying to do. And you do miss things, you know, it's human nature to miss things. But when you go back and you say, okay, what am I missing? How can I be precise about what I'm trying to actually learn? That's when I think the real success and the real knowledge comes into play. And like you said, repetition is the mother of all learning. And it's getting really, really good at that one thing. And they talk about it a lot. Should I do one action 10,000 times? or 10,000 actions once each time. And I think that's true for learning. If you learn one thing over and over and over and over again, you're going to be a master no matter what. Yeah, absolutely. The other thing I think about the learning process is um, your cognition, your ability to comprehend things Mm -hmm. is always deepening um, such that I'm not interested in developing automatons as entrepreneurs, I want entrepreneurs who can think, who can see trends. So when I tell them that as you do this and the more with greater frequency, you're going to start to take on a different lens of the world. Like Robert Kiyosaki said, relative to real estate, as you drive down the road, you have your average person. They don't see what a realtor would see going down the road. Same thing when you're in e-commerce. When you go to the store, you're going to learn that, see the end cap. You're going to, you're just going to pick up so many cues that you never had before because of the mental filters that you put in place exactly. through repetition and through ongoing consistent action. Exactly. You're 100% right about that. But, and we're going to go ahead and start wrapping up. Okay. I always ask this last question. It's, it's no, I don't ask a question about advice. I think it's a very cliche question. And I think you've spit out a ton of advice throughout this episode. People just have to find it. But the question I ask is, why do you love what you do and why is it important for entrepreneurs to also love what they do? You know, I told people in how they set up the different types of learners. I'm more of a social learner than they say audio visual, etc. though. I'm highly a visual learner. 
I don't think I would be happy in a solopreneur business model because of my social nature of, I so enjoy working with a team of people and it doesn't have to be big. Mine has grown um, over time, but I love the, the shared brain trust that comes by working with a very high performing team that is so unique that experience in, in the world, I feel, you know, how many people get uh, the percentage of the population that get to be in this premium team experience of, of high performers, high producers, and that mutual brain trust. I think that's what I'm most affectionate about is it's just like the synergy is, is just, I mean, I have people have been with me for many years, so it's just lovely. It's just so right. awesome. Um, and the other aspect then is my community members are the beneficiaries of that. And they get to experience that brain trust feel mm -hmm. at a different level into the community because mm -hmm. we're super, super community centric. And so that same beauty and wonder that happens within my own corporate team happens within the community and these incredible relationships they develop and I'm a firm believer that within your network is where your future lies. Like they say, you're at the top five right. people that you associate with. So we really encourage those bonds and of friendship, business friendships within our community. We have live events pre-COVID and hopefully post-COVID soon um, that just <clears throat> creates these, uh, a network of people um, at its highest level is I am shifting the world, so to speak, in my own contribution at a cultural level by bringing forth entrepreneurs into the marketplace because I feel we provide the ultimate contributions into the culture at large than employees. They, I have people work for me. God bless them. Of course, I love that. But entrepreneurs, um, what makes us so unique and different is we understand risk. Right. And that if it's to be, it's up to me. And what that does at a cultural level is we have people who have a greater appreciation of what it takes rather than a handout culture, which is the death knell of a society. And mm -hmm. we're well on our way to that. Give me the handouts, 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 handouts. No, that's the death knell. That's the dying of a culture and a nation. The birth of a nation is one who can be, you know, enterprising. And so for me to bring more enterprising people into the culture and the families with them is my greatest contribution. And that's what affects a, a much more powerful change than gimme, gimme, gimme. Right. Yeah, that's powerful. You know, that, that was honestly the longest answer I've had to that question. <laughs> but that's great. You know, it, it shows that you've taken the time to actually think about that. Because I think a lot of people might not know why they do what they do. They just go through the motions, like we said, because there's opportunity and maybe they haven't found their passion yet or something they actually love. And that's fine. But I think when you have a deeply rooted why and a deeply rooted love for what you do, it means that much more every single day. And I wholeheartedly believe that I'm young. I'm only 24, but I already believe that. And I'm not going to do anything that I hate or that I don't believe I can make a positive contribution. in. So, and I do appreciate your time. Where can my audience find you on social media and where can they find e-commerce business school? Ecommercebusinessschool.com is our website. That's our homepage. There's a short URL that will take you there as well. Joinebs.com. It's just a shorter domain to remember. 
We'll take you directly to our homepage. We have some free training there on our page. There's a little blue button that says free training. So that is ecommercebusinessschool.com. Yeah, guys, I will link that in the description. Go to it. Let me know what you think. Let Ann know what you think. And Ann, I appreciate your time. Thank you. It's been a pleasure to be here. Thank you for listening to the Entrepreneurism Podcast. We post episodes every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 4 a.m. Central Time. We would greatly appreciate if you would head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a rating and review. I'm Brady Morgan, your host. We'll see you next time.